postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Hey, Adriana here. 
I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about transitioning back to work. What should you discuss with your employer during pregnancy? How will you make sure you have the support that you need? How long should you make your transition time? What about all the emotions you may go through? Adriana Taboada tells us more. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. Thank you for listening and also for all the love you give the show through your ratings and reviews on iTunes and even just by telling all your pregnant friends about the podcasts and how they have to listen to it. Keep on doing all that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So on to today's show. I'm very excited to be speaking to Ariana Taboada about transitioning back to work. Ariana is a maternal health consultant who works with women to create a smooth and personalized transition into motherhood. She is deeply committed to provide genuine, ongoing, multifaceted support that fosters physical, mental, social, and emotional health for new mothers when they find themselves faced with the unknown. When Ariana is not working directly with clients, she is a consultant to research institutions and universities on reproductive health issues. She regularly presents at conferences and her scientific work has been published in the International Journal of Health Equity, Advances in Social Work, and the Journal of Public Health Management and Practice. Ariana, welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yay. And so we were talking a little bit before um, getting, you know, starting the recording, and you are in Mexico. This is so fantastic. And before I wanted to tell the listeners, because we heard, we when I was talking to you, I heard some tropical birds in the background and parrots so if listeners hear this and they're wondering that's the that's the marvelous they can imagine you in this tropical location to this recording (laughs) yeah there's nothing's been edited in sound wise and I also have a uh, a two and a half month old. So if you hear screaming baby, that that is also real life behind me. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Is it a, a boy or a girl? It's a little boy. Oh, yeah. fabulous. Yay. Well, thank you for taking time, of, you know, out of your postpartum period, because it's still right. It's still a recovery. It's still a new discovery, even though you're you're not quite past that fourth trimester. I'm definitely in the thick of it. Yay. Thank you. Um, So today we're going to talk about when is the best or when, how to transition back to work and all the tips and tricks of how to do that change from just being with your baby all the time to having to separate and figure out with life and how that affects your reality, not both of being a mom, but also within your recovery. So I've got tons and tons of questions. And I guess we will, let's start with the first one, which is, when is the best time to transition back to work? Is there a best time? Right. So um, I tend when 
I'm asked this kind of off the floor and need need a really quick answer. Someone's looking for like a yes or a yes or a no or specific time frame. Um, I always say take as much time as you can. Um, and this is of course hard to do if you're if you're constricted by workplace policies and in the states, you know, we have a particular frame around maternal leave, um, whereas in other in other countries there's paid leave or um, or shared leave that can be shared between spouses, sometimes for up to a year. Um, and so if that's not the case, where, where most, um, well, most of your listeners are likely located, um, and still I would say that that, as you just mentioned, that fourth trimester is really important. And even if you um, feel like getting back to work, giving yourself a transition time. So whenever you have to go back to work, um, I like to think of the transition back to work, having a dedicated two to three week period where you can address things like getting used to pumping, like getting used to daycare, um, getting used to being in your work mode and then your mom mode um, and figuring out how to weave together those identities. Do you suggest, you were talking two to three weeks, during those two to three weeks, do you, you suggest like a gradual re-entry? Would that be like a good course of action? That is definitely something that I highly recommend. I mean, if you can imagine being with your child every day, all day, and then all of a sudden not seeing them for an entire work day, that can be, you know, kind of startling for you um, and, and them, of course. So um, when you're taking things like childcare into consideration or even just getting used to being away for certain periods of time, I would definitely try and negotiate. And this is the key Thing is that have a conversation about it. Start the conversation about it. If that conversation is not being had at your workplace, um, about looking for a few flex days at the beginning, work from home days, half days, options that can make it um, a little easier to honor that that shift that's going to be happening. Mm, absolutely. So, and do you recommend this negotiation to be had even during pregnancy? Like how? How far in advance should moms be starting to prepare for this transition? I definitely um, think it's appropriate to start talking about it um, as early as your sixth month of pregnancy. I mean, most you're going to be looking pregnant by then. So folks at work will likely know that you're going to be taking some kind of um, time to, to have your baby and be with the baby for, for a little bit, hopefully at least. Um, and um, and it can be kind of a, a great, um, you know, taking the lead to be the one to bring up the topic as opposed to, you know, wondering when it's going to come up or, or having kind of an awkward, awkward silence with your colleagues, especially if you're in a small workplace, you know, people are going to be wondering who's going to be doing what she does <laughs> once if she's not here. Um, so definitely bring it up. And I would say as early as six months pregnant. Yeah, and that can be, I mean, if you don't have the conversation, that's just stress building, which you want to avoid. Right. Yeah. yeah, I would, I, the one thing I definitely say avoid doing is don't wait for the back to work conversation or that negotiating piece to happen in your immediate postpartum because you're, I mean, 
people talk to you about the sleep deprivation and the, all the emotional things that can come up. Um, but you're, you know, you're also just so far removed from your professional role in those first few weeks that you don't want to have to shift back into that in order to advocate for yourself. Um, so give yourself the time beforehand um, to do the negotiating, do the working out of logistics so that you can enjoy those, those postpartum days and weeks. Mm-hmm. And have your plan kind of ready. What do you have any tips for moms who have to unfortunately go back almost immediately that don't have sort of three weeks to prepare or to be a, or to do a gradual reentry? Right. I would schedule during your last few weeks of pregnancy the the doctor's visits or visits to other professionals or even home visits if if you have professionals in your life who are doing that um, to schedule those ahead of time so that you don't have to be kind of figuring out if, you know, knock on wood, if you have any health issues, including mental health issues that come up for you postpartum, you really have those linkages, those phone numbers, those appointments even set up. Um, So typically in the U.S. you have kind of your six-week postpartum checkup. International standards are, are for postpartum visits, and so we also, we see a gap there. So especially if you're going back to work at, let's say, the three-week mark, um, make sure you have a visit before you go back. Um, don't let that be something that, that's left lingering until you're you know, back full force in the work mode and, and we tend to, to put our own health on the back burner. Yeah. Is there a time, like an ideal time, if you had all the freedom in the world for in terms of recovery, in terms of best, you know, having your child be a little older in terms of all the variables, what would you say would be the ideal time to transition back to work? I have, based on kind of my work in in both the working with one-on-one, with individuals, with moms, um, and being having been in a clinical setting and then being right now really immersed as a researcher, uh, it differs so widely for everyone. Um, it seems like some people, you know, are, are kind of sitting at home thinking about what am I going to do when I go back to work if they have a three-month leave, um, whereas other folks take five months and they're really not ready to transition back in at that point. Um, so there's, there's not a right time kind of health-wise or, um, or even mental health-wise, but there's definitely a right time for you. So thinking about what that right time for you might be um, is, I think, the key, the key element in in negotiating in whatever way you are able to the time that best meets your needs. And I think if you're considering that you won't quite know exactly when's the right time for you until you're kind of in it, to sort of plan for that flexibility seems like it would be a a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never met anyone who regretted taking more time. It's way easier to go back in a little earlier than expected or to do a little work here and there before you're technically back back in. That's much easier than to all of a sudden have to be you know, at your desk full time and really feeling like you're not ready for that and you wish you had taken more time. So erring on the side of, of caution and more space, more time um, is, is always a smart thing to do. Yeah, very cool. So 
I think in terms of, of, of getting ready for this, you were saying to me beforehand, before we started talking, that you have, you do sort of a preparation checklist or not checklist, but suggestions of how to start preparing during pregnancy and then things you can do um, while you're in the post, in that early postpartum period. Can you tell us a bit of what those might be during pregnancy, for example? Sure. Um, so we talked a little bit about that negotiation um, piece, negotiating during pregnancy with your workplace, um, your employer, with your team. And if you work for yourself, um, you kind of have to you know, sit down with yourself as the boss and figure out um, that when is right for me time. Um, we discussed that the key transition period, and I would also say that goes for transitioning out of work. You know, some people, you know, wait until week 41 to, to have their, you know, official stop work date. And if you, I mean, babies come when they, when they want to come. So if you, um, have any, power in that decision or any flexibility in that decision, you might want to think about, you know, how tired am I going to be or how logistically, what things do I have to get done before the baby arrives and think about, you know, do I want to take, um, maybe a day or two, um, or even a week or two, um, beyond those 40 weeks. Um, I've known clients who stopped at 37 weeks, um, at 38 weeks. And I've also known people who, um, you know, plan to stop at, at, 38 weeks and went into labor early and had a, had a preemie, um, at 32 weeks and, and you can make it work. Um, it's just spending the time thinking about it before you, before you end up in, in the thick of it, having to make those important decisions. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think just like you said before of, it's hard to tell when the right time is for you until you're kind of in it, um, for that postpartum, uh, one of the things that I like to tell my doula clients is starting like at week 36, because in, in case baby is really early, start telling yourself or asking yourself several times during the day, if I were to go into labor right now and am I, am I well rested? Yeah. And if the I answer is no, <laughs> right. then, you know, do something about it. Because that's a good way of checking in with yourself of... You don't know how the, the, there's a lot of aches and pains and uncomfortable and, and you're uncomfortable during late pregnancy or you may not be. But if it catches you by surprise and you're more uncomfortable than you think you were going to be, then you might have to adjust things. So I, I because I want moms to be well rested for labor, I always have them do that. Right. But I guess that works for for just postpartum preparation as well. Yeah. And I love that. Are you well rested that, you know, taking the time and, and asking yourself that question and maybe I'll, I'll add in and I don't know, you know, if you, if you're using the well rested already, um, feel free to use, add an additional, uh, little question of, am I well supported? Do I have the things in place, the people in place, the networks, the supportive networks to, to have the type of experience that I want to have for myself. So that might be things like, um, like thinking about a, not only a doula for birth, but a postpartum doula, or it might be thinking about um, a new mom group in your community that you can join after, um, or it might be having, having looked up, um, 
a, you know, if for knock on wood again, if for whatever reason, a, a mental health condition comes up, do I know, do I know the number of a hotline? Do I know the number of um, a local mental health professional that I could call and, and get assessed? Um, so that again, when you're in those postpartum weeks, and if you happen to need any of those things, you're not having to do the research at that time. You have those at your fingertips. Mm, I love adding that component of am I well supported to it? Yes. Yes. Um, and I would add to that also a lactation consultant. Um, yes. oh, like oh, those are the biggest things, right? And probably further along the line, maybe even a sleep consultant. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd throw, you know, sleep consultant, lactation consultant, um, nutritionist um i throw a body worker in there if you you know are if you're thinking about um maybe getting some some support for for working on your your aches and pains um you know it could be massage chiropractics um and a lot of us use these resources um kind of the general health resources as we're going through pregnancy but that interface with um, health professionals, it really tends to stop at that six-week postpartum mark. Um, and, you know, our, our needs don't end there when our baby's a month and a half old. So having resources um, and people to turn to is, is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I, with that, I like to add as well of knowing that you should – Stagger your help, stagger your visitors and make them not visitors, but consider them helpers and stagger them because, you know, week one, two, three, it's all great. But then maybe your partner goes back to work and you're alone and the novelty's worn off and, you know, friends aren't really dropping by. And that can be really hard. Yeah. And, you know, not too many places aren't, not many places are generous with paternity leave, let's say, but if um, split time, split leave is something that folks have talked to me about in the past. So let's say sometimes, you know, the, the person who gave birth has a certain amount of time, but the partner has, um, actually a few weeks that they could take, might be paid, might be unpaid. Um, so, you know, the decision of, do I, do we take those at the exact same time or do we stagger? Right. Um, again, it's a personal decision and there might be, um, kind of my go-to, recommendation would be take maybe a few weeks together so that like the first one two weeks while you're kind of in that post post-birth glow um, but then you might want to have that person save their other few weeks for when mom has to transition back to work um, that's something that I've seen work for a few families Mm, I can see how that would work also because it can take off a little bit of the stress of the daycare or of adding that component to it of who's taking care of your child, which is a sort of a separate component than you transitioning as an individual back to work. Right. It's, it's like a, a whole, a whole big thing in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. So that can help split the, the, the two things. So talking about this childcare component and, and what, do you have any tips or suggestions or recommendations as to how to navigate that part? Sure. Well, that can also be something useful to start thinking about and looking into um, in your last few weeks of pregnancy. 
Uh, with daycares, you know, those tend to, some daycares fill up like months in advance. Um, but when you're thinking about um, how to, again, honor that transition, it can be great to have some time to try a place out, to interview if you're doing in-home care, to interview folks, to visit. Um, and that can be really hard to do if you're back at work, um, if you have to get back to work full time, you know, in, in the next few weeks. Um, so having, and it can be hard to do with a, with a newborn. So if you can do any of that ahead of time, you know, getting on the phone with some folks, making a few visits, um, that can be a great use of those few weeks leading up to birth. Um, and then it can, you know, inform your decision making when you do have to, to make that shift into daycare. Mm-hmm. The more you can get set up before baby arrives, basically, the better right. off, right? You'll be. We're going to take a little break right now. But when we come back, I want to talk about the the emotional component of going back to work. Let's I'll be we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. 
Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And we're back. And before the break, I said we were going to start this this part of the, the show talking about the the emotional component, right, of going back to work, because sometimes that can be harder than you thought. Talk to me about your experience with this this part of, of that transition. Sure. And I, I think I'll, I'll split it into kind of two different sub-themes because there's the, the emotional piece around the logistics of, you know, going back to work. How do I work out my pumping schedule if you're pumping? How do I, you know, get my child ready for daycare? How do I learn how to, you know, navigate and communicate with a child care provider? Um, and that can be um, pretty anxiety provoking. <laughs> so um, the, the emotional turmoil of it all, I would really recommend approaching it with a um, kind of an attitude of compassion towards yourself. You know, these are decisions that you've never had to make before. And if you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm um, stressed out and I'm feeling a little anxious about making these decisions, um, and you might not normally be someone who gets stressed out over decisions, you know, take it easy on yourself. Be compassionate. Think about how would you speak to a friend who was going through this as opposed to um, jumping to um, any any negative self-talk about it? Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, does that make sense? Do you want me to elaborate? Yeah, I would like more. Yeah, please elaborate. And and if you want to break down, go deeper into the different parts um, and any suggestions that you might have. on. So we talked about the child care component, um, maybe some suggestions also for the figuring out the breastfeeding, you know, pumping and going back to work. Right. Well, it can... So the, the emotions that um, I have both experienced and then also witnessed um, that are most present are just this kind of a, a sense of, a constant sense of overwhelm. You know, you're doing all these things that you've never had to do before and you're not sure if you're doing it right. You're not sure if you're doing it successfully. And especially when you are heading back to the workplace, a place where you're expected to be competent and professional and um, kind of a, you know, a go-getter and check things off the list and do them right. Um, having these things that you have to check off the list that you are not prepared for is can be a little nerve-wracking. So just like we talked about before, having the professionals who you can reach out to, having the social support that you can reach out to, moms who have done this before, colleagues at work who have made that transition before. Um, If you're in a large workplace, chances are someone else has taken maternity leave before you have. (laughs) So don't be afraid to to reach out um, and ask those questions. Um, 
sit down, you know, use your lunch break time to talk to other moms who have gone through that at your workplace. And if at any point you are feeling, you're really feeling like you're drowning in your overwhelm, it's, it's not, it, there's totally, I'm kind of trying to, you know, break down the shame about reaching out to a mental health professional um, because it does not mean you have a mental health problem to feel overwhelmed and scared and anxious. Um, I would say you're, 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 you know, right on the normal emotional, <laughs> on, on the normal emotional uh, scale spectrum with that. Um, but having someone to talk through those issues can right away bring down some of that anxiety. Yeah, and it is a totally overwhelming the time of life <laughs> when yes. you're like sleep deprived. I mean, it is a it's like life 2.0. It's it's an immense challenge um, dealing with work and and having you know recovering from birth and having a newborn. Um, how? What are some some techniques that moms can use that like, I think I, this is the two part question of like how to help themselves lessen that overwhelm a, a, a more of an a, of a personal way if you have any suggestions on that aside from you know reaching out to the providers but also of that day-to-day -day making it a habit of trying to lessen that overwhelm and then also what because I love that you brought up the the postpartum mood disorder component and the, and that it's not a mental health that it's not there shouldn't be shame attached to it because what we're seeing is it's one in seven moms or even more are suffering some sort of or displaying some sort of postpartum mood disorder symptom um, and that can stem to dads as well so it's something that's incredibly prevalent and. If you have it, it sucks. So in in the spirit of avoiding or minimizing that suckiness, what would you tell moms? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I'll answer kind of backwards. So the second half of the question um, really goes back to what we were discussing just um, in the first half of the show was have those numbers, resources written down during pregnancies so that you have them at your fingertips should you need them. And like you said, it's, you know, perinatal mood disorders are extremely prevalent. We don't talk about them. We might not openly share about them, but those um, emotional um, waves are quite common. And so three things that you might like to, to look up um, and have at your fingertips um, are knowing how you would get a referral through your primary care provider. So this could be just at a regular prenatal visit. You can ask, oh, if I have any kind of mental, emotional uh, needs postpartum, um, how do I get a referral? Um, you can look up a maternal mental health specialist and have their number written down. That's the second thing. Um, and then I would also recommend having the number um, for what I'll call a warm line. And Postpartum Support International has a warm line, whereas it's just staffed by volunteers. And it's where you can call and you can get some help figuring out if you need a professional or you can just get some support in working through whatever, whatever it is that you're going through at that moment. Um, and then the first half of the question, let's see, you're going to have to remind me because I, 
I already jumped <laughs> so deep into into the second half that I'm now having a sleep deprivation, total brain. <laughs> right. Well, I have mama brain for the past 11 years, so <laughs> never goes away, right? Um, but it was about, okay, now I remembered. See, I had to talk a little bit so I could remember about how, figuring out how to of how to deal with or how to minimize that overwhelm um, in a way that's not just uh, dependent of an external resource. Right. So having learning um, techniques that are, um, I guess you would, these would be within the the spectrum of like mindfulness approaches. Um, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily like a spiritual technique or a breathing technique, but rather just a, an attitude of how to approach um, the, the emotional sensation you're noticing. Um, and approach with a sense of curiosity and compassion. So if you notice yourself, um, you know, if you notice your heart beating a little faster or you're getting flustered or you're getting stressed um, or your face is turning red, um, taking a moment to pause, take a breath and, and bring out that sense of curiosity. Ask yourself, what, what is it about this situation or what is it about what I'm feeling or experiencing that's um, kind of sending me down this path. Um, cause you can, on the one hand, um, there's what, what as a mental health professional, I would call rumination. You can spiral down that path and your entire brain capacity can, you know, get wrapped up in, in that story, in that problem, in that emotion. Um, or if you take a moment to pause and ask yourself what, what's going on here and can I, you know, can I prevent myself from going off into rumination? Then it can just be a nice point of recognizing, okay, this thing is is bringing out something in me, this experience, this emotion, um, and I I want to take the time to recognize that and figure out, you know, what might be causing that. Um, and you don't have to solve your problems necessarily, right? Nothing's going to go away about your situation. If you're a mom with a newborn and who's going back to work, work's not going to go away. Baby's not going to go away. But you can figure out how to deal with those emotions when they come up by adding in that mindful pause with curiosity and compassion. Mm, I love that. That's sort of stop and be aware. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so There's the, one other thing that yeah, I'd love to, to touch um, while we're on the, the emotional um, conversation, and that's the kind of the emotions that get wrapped up or that get brought out in what this means for my identity. And it's kind of what I call, as you mentioned when you were introducing me, the, the social aspect. Um, so what does it mean for me to now be a working mom? What does it mean for me to adopt this, this new identity? If I, you know, had a really strong professional identity before and in those weeks first firstborn, you know, newborn, postpartum, I adopted this really strong motherhood identity. Um, what does it mean to merge those two? And, and there's lots of different ways you might be feeling about that um, new identity. Do I merge them? Do they, are they compatible? Um, and the, the emotions that come along with that. Yeah. I, so tell me more about that, because I find that is a huge, oh, such a 
hard thing to do to figure out who you are now. You know, what are the new aspects of yourself and how they join together with the old aspects that maybe you had really well defined and cemented. And then this new component is laid over it that can even challenge some of those, uh, some of that identity that you, the definitions that you had for yourself. So can, yeah, talk to me more about that. Sure. And, and this is, I mean, I will go into a little, a little more personal and, and see if, you know, some folks might resonate with this. But um, so let's say you're, you are one of those people that has a really strong professional identity and you, um, you know, are happy to go to work, you love your job and you um, take a lot of kind of um, identity building and pride in, in what you do. And, and then all of a sudden, you have this other thing, this beautiful, you know, motherhood thing that's totally new, but you don't feel like you're competent at it for, for the first few weeks, at least. I mean, I'm two and a half months in and I feel like I'm still like learning something new about my baby every hour and trying to trying doing my best to feel, um, feel like, okay, I can learn. And, and, and it takes a lot for me personally, and maybe for others to remind myself like, okay, this is like learning how to do a new thing at work. Like I'm not, you know, I literally from one day to another became a mother, but I'm not, I, I need to honor that transition and I need to give myself that learning time and that learning curve that comes with anything new. Um, and so in adopting that new identity, taking on, it goes along with the sense of curiosity, um, taking the time to, to enjoy the learning process when it's maybe not so enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then in adding that layer onto the professional identity, um, you know, what does it mean to now have to balance those? It's, you know, the kind of the male centric workplace rhetoric is, is like, okay, you're, you know, on work mode at work and you're on parent mode at parent, um, parent time. And a lot of times, you know, we, we weave them together. You know, we, we can't stop thinking about our kid or we can't stop, you know, if something comes up with childcare, we need to handle that during the workplace time. Um, so knowing that those two don't have to exist separately, but you also don't have to figure out right away what it means to be a working mom. Um, that, that crafting that identity and figuring it out is also part of the process and that, um, that transition time. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of crafting your identity because it can be really hard, especially if you're like, feel really competent in your workplace, then suddenly feeling very incompetent in something that's quote unquote supposed to be natural and come, you know, just automatically happen. Um, and it isn't like we don't really know how to be moms. I remember when I, when my daughter was born, I had never changed a diaper, which is ridiculous to say, but but it was the truth. And then not being able to just take a step back and think, you know what? 
there's no way you should like be super competent in this because you don't have not done this before. You've never changed a diaper. Sure, you'll learn it and you'll figure it out. But don't put that guilt on yourself for that level of of rigor and stress. And then because then you start spiraling down with feelings of of guilt and of failure and of like right that mind just that that self criticizing monster as I like to call it just comes up and it can it can tear you down yeah yeah and it's I mean as you were just saying it's every day you're learning something things you had never done before um and it it takes patience with yourself as much as it takes patience with everyone else (laughs) yeah and I and I think that's something that Everyone else, because of our cultural beliefs and that male-centric workforce that you talked about, there isn't that much patience for the new mom. Right. There's, you know, there's, there might be a um, kind of in writing or, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, great. Well, you'll, you're, you know, you'll, you'll transition back in or your, you know, things will be covered while you're gone. And sometimes it's like you might get emergency phone calls from workplace people not knowing what to do in your absence, or you might, you know, there might not be in, in practice that, that warm, flexible attitude that was communicated to you. Um, so also that's where, you know, put, put the advocacy hat on a little bit and thinking about, what during pregnancy thinking about what kind of um workplace culture exists at where um where you are and thinking about do i do i want to help shift that at all or is this you know is this culture something that's going to be um right for me to come back into and if it's not feeling um that supportive right now how can i you know talk to my coworkers talk to my employer um to make it a little more receptive to what I know my needs will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that can be really a, a huge shock too. Of and 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 again, those you're very vulnerable during pregnancy and postpartum. That's just a that's just a, it is a thing. I mean, your brain waves change. It is physically in your physical body there is a vulnerability that comes with it because it does make you more in 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 tune with your body and have higher intuition when you're birthing so it is that mommy brain those things are real but then it makes it harder to sort of stand up for yourself and advocate I find yeah it's I mean if if your experience is anything like mine or my experience is anything like yours and, and the folks out there listening, um, if your experiences are anything like this, it's it's the self-doubt is kind of all pervasive just because there's so much newness at one time and that element of vulnerability that you just mentioned for sure. Yeah. So let's shift the conversation if 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 it's if you don't have anything else to say on, on, on the topics that we've been talking about. But I want to shift the conversation to what to expect in terms of your relationship with your child and what are some of the things that you might see shift that you need to prepare for or adjust for um, once you've gone back to work in terms of, say, 
you know, your child being more clingy or crying when you leave or these or, or switching, wanting to to be with you all night and, and be up most of the night because you're away for part of the day. Can you speak to that aspect of the transitioning back to work? Sure. Well, there, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that if you're one of those people who, you know, before you have kids, you, it's like amazing to think about post baby, all the, you know, all the free time I had when I didn't, didn't have a baby to take care of. Um, but if you're one of those people who maybe like brought work home with you or, um, or just had your mind still on work when you were not at work, um, I think that is a critical shift, letting yourself leave work at work so that when you're at home, when you're with your child, you can be there and enjoy it and not be kind of distracted by the thought in the back of your mind or that thing that needs to get done still. Um, or, you know, thinking about, well, when I put the kids to bed, then I should really finish this thing up. Let yourself um, have that protected space, that family, that child, that partner time. Um, and the other thing is it comes down to so many logistics. Um, so logistics around pumping, around prepping food, around, um, let's see, the grocery shopping, just things that can um, help, again, protect that time that you're with your family so that all your non-work time doesn't become all your errand running time. Because then, again, you are trying to mix all the errand running while with the actual enjoyment of your family, which can be challenging to do. You know, we're in, everyone is so busy, busy, busy all the time. So it can, if you're listening to that and thinking, how do I, you know, create more hours in the day? How would I, how would I split enough, find enough time to split those things up? Um, see, I would say, see what you, what it feels like to maybe do one less thing each day. Um, you know, yeah. let's say you have a list of you want to do this, this, and this after work. Cut right away one of those things off and let yourself do one less thing. <laughs> Ugh, that is that is a great recommendation because we forget that aside from <laughs> having all these all the things that are going on in the transition and the lack of sleep and all that, that you are now on baby time, which goes way slower than yes. regular time. <laughs> yeah it's like slow motion and yet so fast <laughs> Ugh, um, yeah it takes like so long to get out of the house and uh, yeah. yeah one of the things you mentioned Ariana before is um and and this is I, I'm asking about this because this was something that resonated with me as well and it might resonate with a lot of the of the moms listening out there but I found that before baby, one of the things that was really important to me, and it still is today, is to have me time, is to like, I need to recharge my batteries by being away from everybody, you know, and that before baby, before kids, that was be away from my husband, be away from my parents when I slept, like be away from everything. And then suddenly you're in a reality where you are pretty much never alone because especially the first few weeks, your child needs you for survivor, survival, at least every two to three weeks, the hours to eat. How, what are some good suggestions or how can moms help carve out some time or deal with that reality? 
Well, they're so. I like to, if you, if you can't tell already, I'm, I'm like the, the type A, you know, put it in the calendar type person. So my response is like, if, if we don't put that on the to-do list for me, it won't happen. So literally sitting down on the, at the calendar, um, sitting down with, with, um, you know, your partner or your childcare provider, whoever it is, that's going to help take care of the, the child while you have that me time. Um, and scheduling it in the same way you would a doctor's visit or the same way you would um, going to the grocery store. You know, if you don't if you don't think about when is the time that I'm going to do this, then it doesn't happen. So I would say that your time, that protected recharge, fill your cup time, you know, deserves to be scheduled just as much as anything else, because it is one of those things you need to go grocery shopping to, you know, eat and survive. You need to go to the doctors to be healthy and survive. You need to recharge yourself to be healthy and survive. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're so right. If you don't put it on the calendar, it will not happen. It, it sounds almost silly to have to schedule like that bubble. And it doesn't have to be a huge time, right? It can be a bubble math, but you can, but you have to put things in place so that you can like, who's watching the kid while you're taking that bubble bath? And will they actually respect the time while and nobody come in while you're taking that bubble bath? Like it requires some logistics for sure. Right. And there's, I mean, there are these, these might be kind of like sneaky ways to, to weave in the alone time, but sometimes it's like sitting in the car for an extra 10 minutes before you walk into the childcare to pick up your child or before you walk into work. It's like, okay, turning off the engine and I just need to, you know, be with myself for a little bit. Or I know I have one friend who went to a class every week, um, an exercise class, and she told her husband that the class lasted 90 minutes, even though it only lasted 60 minutes. And then she had 30 minutes every week to herself <laughs> that she would just like be in her own thoughts. Um, so finding, like you said, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 30, maybe it's like an actual get up and go out and do something. Um, but finding those ways and putting them on the calendar. Oh, and I love those sneaky ways. And we won't even talk about the like the emotions that come along with why we need to call them the sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, <laughs> we are worth it. We are worth that me time. Yeah. Ariana, what other resources are out there that you really like to help mom that are helpful to moms um, to make that transition back to work? Sure. Well, I I mentioned um, earlier the warm line from Postpartum Support International. Um, if if you go to their website, it's really prominent. The the one eight hundred number right up on their screen, um, which can be to you know if you're experiencing any anxiety about that transition back to work, um, if you think you are having any um, symptoms, signs or symptoms of a perinatal mood disorder, if it's getting to a, a stage of depression or anxiety, you can call that line. Um, another really helpful website is called Mindful Return, um, and it's a blog and resource uh, created by, by a healthcare lawyer, actually, that's all about um, thinking about mindfully returning to work. And then um, 
the postpartum plan. There's there's lots of different ways to tackle this. Um, doulas are a great resource for thinking about your postpartum plan. Um, I have uh, a workbook that I offer on my website that's kind of a DIY postpartum planning um, tool that that you can use. Um, and and that's I would say those those three resources I think are good things to have. Fantastic. And I did look through your postpartum plan workbook and it's fabulous. So people out there listening, go check it out, go to Ariana's website and, you know, download it and create it. And I, I also have a post and they're, they're different, right? I have, uh, my, I think mine is more practical. Yours is more mindset oriented, which, which makes sense if, because what we do is different, but arm yourself with both of them if you go to my website then you'll find my postpartum plan there and the trick is to do it before the baby arrives yes definitely <laughs> i'm sure you get lots of calls and emails like you know two weeks a two week old um so i read about your postpartum planning and and it's like oh man wish we had talked three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> Right. Are you familiar with Ellie Taylor's Becoming Us book? I am not. Oh, you have to. Yes. Look up Ellie Taylor Becoming Us. She is um, that is a really like great third component. We've been focusing on transitioning back to work, but this is um, about the Becoming Us. It's more about you and your partner becoming a family together. So it's about that emotional and relationship component with your partner uh, in preparation. And I feel that that's like a, a good additional resource and link to bring into all of this or anything related to postpartum because, and, and she walks through, she's, she's, so basically she's mapped the evolution of relationships from pregnancy into a successful uh, parenthood into mm -hmm. eight steps. Wow. Well, it sounds like I need to go order it. Yes. I did. <laughs> she is, yeah. And um, I did a podcast with her uh, at some point last year. So I will put it on the show notes too, but you can listen to that. Everybody out there, listen to that podcast with Ellie Taylor. It's called Becoming Us. And that helps, I find, to, to because you're not alone in all of this, right? Your transition is not just yours back to work. It's It's a family thing. So you need to have all the parts, all the moving parts sort of join together and move in unison. Right on. Yeah, that sounds like a great resource. Mm. Ariana, if uh, listeners want to stay in touch with you, follow what you're doing, uh, ask you questions, how can they do that? Um, I would say the, the one-stop shop is through my website, which is just my name, arianataboada.com. Um, and there, you know, I'm happy to connect via email through there. There's a little contact sheet um, or through um, any of the, the social media buttons. Um, I'm on Facebook and on my phone a lot these days, but Instagram, Twitter, um, I find that it's great to to keep in touch with kind of with a mom network, um, literally at my fingertips um, nowadays. So I'd love to to be in touch with anyone who has questions or wants to chat more. 
Yes, and it's Ariana with two N's and then the Taboada. Can you spell it, Taboada? Sure. It's T A B as in boy, O A D as in dog, A. So the, the easiest way I've found to explain is try saying tub of water with like a thick New York accent. <laughs> tub of water. <laughs> tub of water. But when looking for it online, <laughs> then follow the spelling. Online, spell it out. <laughs> Ariana, thank you so much for this talk today. It's been lots of fun. Likewise. Thank you for having me, Adriana. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.